Game of Thrones podcast, <laughs> Game of Thrones, and Zach cannot control his excitement. We're still, we're still brand new, even though it's getting us. We are, we are brand new. We, still. we still got that new car smell. Mm. Yeah, yes, mm. the new car smell is intact. Uh, now, Selena's not with us this week, believe that or not. It's an all-boys show. We are all here to digest and digress over the oh, latest... Oh, God, that's perfect. Keep going. Right? We are all here to digest and digress over the latest Game of Thrones episode. It was episode four, Garden of Bones. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, mm-hmm. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Terrence Pinkston. Excellent. And guys, okay, so episode four, what did you guys think? Man, it was pretty good. It's uh, yeah, it starting good. to get really good. It was a good TV show. I thought it was a very quality television program. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I mean, especially at the, uh, well, we'll get to that. At the end. <laughs> no, let's don't. Oh, right, we're end, gonna we're not going to go. End. Yeah, of course, we're going to go in order, but but still, I mean, I'd have Obviously, to say. that's the most fresh on our mind, the ending. The, right. The, the crazy, crazy ending of last night's episode. We're recording on uh, Monday, so we can say, hey, last night's episode. But, uh, yeah, I've watched it. Um, I've actually watched the episode twice now. And uh, I just have to say, it's there are moments that really make me uncomfortable, and moments that really make me excited, and uh, it's it's they make me sweat. Well, Eric, stuff. let's hear about the moments that make you excited and that make you sweat. Let's hear about those. I well, <laughs> you know, we'll go through scene by scene. Okay. But um, meeting the thirteen, for instance, I was uh, I was sweating it over that. I I didn't know what they were gonna do to Daenerys and her people. How. Can it be a garden of bones? How do bones grow? Milk. <laughs> milk. <laughs> <laughs> Water, a garden of bones, and milk. That's awesome. Yeah. But I really liked this episode a lot. I thought that you really got a feel for a lot of different parts of the story that they're trying to tell this season. And we didn't have any of Daenerys in the last episode. We finally went back to her. And you know the other... Uh, area on the map that we were introduced to was Harrenhal, and I thought that they did such an awesome job from, would you call it a CGI standpoint? It's supposed to be like this ruined castle that was completely demolished by dragons at one point. And when they get there, you just... Were you sweating during that scene, Eric? Because that was a pretty ominous scene as, as they come up to the to this castle. Yeah, I was sweating. Ever since the last episode, they mentioned Heron Hall and how it was cursed. Because uh, Tyrion said that, uh, you know, Littlefinger could have it um, for brokering the marriage. But, uh, no, I was I was sweating. And definitely that, that, that entry line by, you know, the children, <laughs> what melts stone? Well, <laughs> dragons do. And I was just thinking, oh snap, this is like what we can look forward to coming from Daenerys' end when the dragons uh, grow up. More places like this popping on the map. What do you think of that map, though? I mean, it's a pretty cool map. I kind of wait every week to see what new place we're going to and how they actually construct it on that map. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even – I still don't know how – because what I really want when this is all over is a huge interactive map like – like look it would look like a Rube Goldberg machine. In fact, that's kind of what it looks like where all these little <laughs> gears are turning and these little things are spinning and the, obviously like the 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 towns each city like springs up. You know, I would like an interactive Game of Thrones map or like a, heard, a board. Didn't you want a birthday cake like that? Right. Yeah, but I I know that was short notice, so I'm not going to hold you guys to that. Wait, but hold on before point, you go on. Wait, Eric, before you go on, listen. Let's all just take a moment and appreciate that 24 years ago today, 
Eric was brought into this shiny planet that we call Earth. Can we just give him a, just a moment of let's just should we cheer or, or pat him virtually on the back? Well, thank you guys. I feel the warmth from here, and and let me assure you that my entry into this world was nothing like the entry that we experienced uh, last night watching <laughs> watching watching that. That was birth. more of an exit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the warmth you're feeling is actually just because you're sweating again, right, Eric? You're sweating. Yeah. All time. those all those darn scenes. I'm telling you. So moving on then from the opening credits, which gave us a little bit of a a guess as to what's in store. Um, there was some wolf action quite early on in this episode. The dire wolf. There was some farting, too. We were talking yeah. about this before the show. <laughs> this scene was one of the more graphic scenes that we've seen, uh, I guess, even in the history of the show, with uh, you know, with the small intestines and, and stuff hanging out uh, at the end, uh, you know at the end of that little battle sequence right there that we actually didn't see. Um, but... You know, it, it, it's I don't know. They this show loves to push the envelope, don't they? Well, especially later on in the episode, I'm telling you. But well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the disemboweled guy and the battlefield in general. Um, what I like about this though is that you know, if if you read a Clash of Kings, you don't see anything from Rob's perspective, and you just hear about what's going on with him through uh, the other characters that you're reading about. Here, because he's such a big character. Uh, and and was in season one, you know, you have to kind of follow along with him, and you're actually seeing things on screen that readers don't necessarily get to experience in the books. So I think that's kind of unique. I'm sure they went to George R. R. Martin to kind of get his input for exactly what's happening and what's going on. You're sa- so basically, I mean, the show is de- de- not not making stuff up, or it's it is because they're writing scenes that were only ever implied or, or, or shown, um, you know, in in like uh, – or overheard, you know, stories as opposed to what's being um, given in the first-person view of the narration of the book, right? right. So – and the other thing is as a TV show, they're keeping track of the main characters, you know? Well, it's less about um, keeping track of characters and less about, okay, well, Rob is a big guy here so in, in the show – uh, as opposed to the book, so we need to do X and Y form. It's more of they have to dissect um, a giant block of text that was not fashioned in any stretch of the imagination to be fitted for TV. So they need a rising and falling action set up every single week that the show is out in each episode. So they have to add stuff, and they have to make certain characters bigger, not because they want to, but just because inside of the realm of writing for television, they have to give someone a main character to follow, even though... Technically, we don't necessarily have a main character. Our main character was sort of killed last season, and our I guess our new main character, I guess, would sort of be Tyrion. But mm-hmm. they've added so much time onto Rob that they had to go you know, deep into the, this battle. And uh, I thought it was really great because you know we're getting to see a lot more of Grey Wind than really the book talks about. Because like Micah was saying, it's not... It's not. We don't have much from Rob's perspective. Like we're borrowing from all of these sort of implied things, and we're sort of getting to see it live. So, for example, the romance, the little hint of budding romance we saw just after the dude got his foot cut off on the field with Rob and the super hot, <laughs> the super hot doctor girl in the wagon. That's not in the book, but it's added to not make Rob seem better because that's not really what they care about. They they just want to add more drama to the show and, you know, romance does it, right? Or at least a little bit of it. Right. They are pulling in pieces of 
a storm of swords because that's really where you you get back into the flow of things with Rob, where you get back into the flow of things with Jamie also because Jamie really takes off most of a, a a clash of kings and then comes back into the fold at the beginning of Storm of Swords. So you have these huge characters, kind of like what Zach was talking about, where it doesn't work for TV to not have them on the show for an entire season. You just can't do that. Right. So, so they're giving them stuff to do or, or, or just showing them doing what they were doing, even though it wasn't mentioned in the book. Well, think about the characters that are in the main focus in the book. We have like Daenerys, we have Arya, you know, Sansa, Catelyn, Link. I'm thinking of all Tyrion. All these people that have chapters, for example. That's how the books are parsed out. They, people that read the books, are they say, oh, okay, well, they have chapters. So you're reading and you see uh, a Daenerys chapter in front of you like, oh, I got to read it because I love Daenerys, right? So they have these mm-hmm. characters – that are made important to you. Well, Rob doesn't have that many. Ch- I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike, but he doesn't have. I mean, he has like virtually no chapters in the second and third books, right? I mean, it's pretty low. I don't think you ever see the story yeah. from his perspective. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I, I haven't completely read. Like, I'm not as far as Micah, but it's it's just funny that they have to do this. But I mean, they have to do it for TV because let's think about this. The as far as drama in a television show goes and the main storylines of these characters if we rallied around the same people that martin's rallying around in his novels we're going to see Arya's story sansa's story catelyn's story Tyrion's story unfold so quickly because they had need to fill episodes each week that we're going to have the show caught up to the books in like a season and a half so they have to fill it in with other stuff you know well, that's interesting that they can even do that. I mean, Rob doesn't have any, you know, any chapters in the book, as you guys were just saying. But he, it's like you can tell his story. You can you can know his story just as just as much as you know, or just as well as you know, uh, Catelyn's or Arya's because of the different characters interacting with them. And I think that's a really neat element that the uh, that Martin incorporates into the books. And I think it's. It's great to see it on the screen. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing, though. We were talking in an email chain earlier um, today with Selena and all of us, and we were talking about some things they added. Like, they added the Talissa from Volantis thing with the hot chick, and that's her name. She's the hot chick in the back of the cart, and she's supposed to have – what's the girl's name that he that Rob's actually supposed to have romance with, dude, Micah? Isn't it Jane Westerling? I think I think so. I'm not exactly positive, but it's, it's pulling away from that thing, and it's also – the the deal with Arya that we'll discuss later in the episode, the way her story turns is also different from the book. But I do not, by any stretch of the imagination, think it's a bad thing. Now, I'm also the same guy that when the Potter books were adapted to film, got mad when anything was changed. But, yeah. Right? But in this case, uh, I feel like um, the writers, you know, Brian Cogman, et cetera, et cetera, they're doing a really, really great job of taking this great story and it's the same thing that jackson did with lord of the rings and that's which is a lot how game of thrones is written um which is a lot how ice and fire is written um they're taking this deep sort of i don't even know not biblical but the way the style that it was written they're taking this deep literature and they're turning it into hollywood they're turning it to something that's candy that you can just take it each week and chew on it it's delicious yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to give an idea real fast i mean with a clash of kings if, if you're reading the book you see it from the perspective of nine different characters and you don't see it from, for example, as we mentioned, Rob's or Jamie's, you don't see it from Stannis's, you don't see it from Renly's. So there are four main characters right there that we just threw out that you're not seeing from their particular perspective, but they are obviously huge characters 
in the series and, and in this particular season. I mean, if you don't if you don't see it from the point of view of Stannis or Renly, and I'm about to read the books. I got them for my birthday, so I'm going to read them all, um, starting with the first. If you don't see it from Stannis or Renly's, how do you get their story? Whose point of view is it from? Well, here you go. Here's a list. You hear from Meister Cresson, which is the guy who gets killed on Dragonstone by Melisandre at the very beginning. Oh. Uh, you see from uh, Tyrion's perspective, from Catalan's, from uh, Sir Davos, from Sansa, Arya, Bronn, Bran, sorry, uh, Jon Snow, Theon, and Daenerys. So think about all the other characters that there are whose perspectives you don't necessarily see. From. I'm just looking forward to a Craster perspective, you know what I'm saying? I bet that's, ex- <laughs> I bet that's fun-filled and exciting. I, I do not want to see that. I don't. Th- I don't think that'll be fun-filled at all. It depends on your definition of fun, I guess. But uh, okay. So finally, before we move on from this opening scene, there was this comment made by the guards to each other that I really wanted to bring up when I was watching the show. Okay. So he, they're talking to each other and uh, basically about how the Knight of Flowers is, uh, you know, <laughs> basically a, a formidable warrior. And uh, the guard says, well, he's been stabbing Renly for years, <laughs> and Renly's still alive. Okay. Ha, 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 ha. How do they know that? Is that not I, – I just my – I don't want to say my heart broke, but I'm just saying that's unfortunate that everybody knows, or, or at least that these presumably unimportant guards know Renly's deep secret. Well, is it just um, me? But I thought I'll... that Renly was the one doing the stabbing. Uh, yeah, it would seem that way. Well – Eric, look at his crown, man. He's got a very, very pretty crown. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's very nice. I think that they're sending it fits his head very well. interdepartmental memos to everyone. Remember, this it's never overtly apparent, I don't think, in the books. I mean, there's there's talk of it, obviously. For the show's purpose, there's obvious they, they could clearly you know, do more with it. And I, and I don't think that this scene even existed in the books. I mean, this is just something that they made up again. Remember the Rob's attacks are only heard about. So the fact that you have two guys talking about Renly pounding Loris or Loris pounding Renly, I mean, <laughs> I don't think they said pounding, but stabbing. Yes. <laughs> said stabbing. Thank you but for the visual. That's okay. you use your own interpretation. That's fine. The, the gossip goes around the same as it does. I, I, I'm assuming with Rob's victories. You know what I'm saying? Like, how the hell does Joffrey know how good Rob's destroying shit? Well, someone's telling him. So people are obviously just chatting about... Okay, so Joffrey in this episode, guys. But basically, he's about to kill Sansa. Or, or he's about to seriously maim his wife-to-be. This is not intelligent by any stretch of the imagination. It, it's not. It's not that it's not diplomatically correct, like Tyrion would argue, okay? This is just stupid. This is just absolutely the dumbest thing that character could possibly do because Sansa already hates him. You know, she's going to be in his bed, you know, have clear view to poison him one day. It's it's already been prearranged. Why would you ever want to turn somebody who who is that close in proximity to you against you so very obviously? Like it's obvi- how how is she supposed to like him because it's her duty? Like that's bullshit. Like anybody would know that. That she would not be loyal to him if he keeps doing those things to her. Yeah. No, I yeah. I completely yeah. agree. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the book, it's a lot worse. I mean, she is, has much less clothing than what she did uh, in 
in the show. It's it just shows who he is as an individual, and you know, Jack Gleason does an unbelievable job portraying this absolute piece of shit king that <laughs> nobody likes, has any feelings for whatsoever. Yeah, they do a really great job of painting Joffrey as being uh, an insufferable little shit. Listen, Tyrion brings in Braun, right? <laughs> yes. Tyrion brings in Braun, but it was so sweet because Homeboy in the King's Guard was like, hey, you can't talk that way to the king. And he's like, listen, I realize that he's the king. I understand that. But he's also my nephew, and I'm trying to talk to him and be like an uncle. So chill chill for a second, you ass bag. Cool cape. I like your cape. And then he goes, hey, you don't talk that way. You're an imp. And he goes, Braun, if the dude talks again, just kill him and shit. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> okay, but what happens later then with Tyrion, what with Joffrey and the whores? This – this scene I don't think should have been in the episode, or they should have cut it a lot quicker than they did. It just made me all kinds of uncomfortable. I could barely get through it. I know we've seen so much in the show. HBO's pushing the envelope here, but this was just – I guess anybody can make the case that any of those other scenes that were raunchy were distasteful. But I think this scene, more than all of the others, was allowed to go on too far uh, and for too long. I don't know if you what, guys would agree what about that, it, but. Eric? That really disturbed you. Um, just the the overall um, demanding nature of Joffrey towards the two whores, or was it the actual physical contact between the two whores? Well, it's the torture. It's the torturous situation, essentially, where Joffrey is uh, making you know commanding a whore to uh, strike another whore, and, and you know basically. You know, gun to her head. You have to do this, or I'll do it. I didn't think it was furthering the character. We really didn't. After that first few slaps, when he hands his leather um, pouch or belt, Come on Eric, you know, Roz to, to and the Daisy, whore. they have names. They're not just whores. <laughs> I, they are. I read people the books, too. Micah. When I read the books, well, they're not Micah, in the books. Sure they're not in the books. Oh, they're not in no. the books. Okay, Oz and Daisy. Roz, oh. <laughs> Roz and Daisy. Micah, uh, Eric watches Look. with one eye when he watches the show, <laughs> and one hand. I listen. Oh. I agree. I agree with you to a certain Look. degree, man. Because, like, I, I mean, definitely, it's it's not good. It's not like I know anyone that would watch that and be like, oh yeah, that's really cool. It's. I don't think it was terrible, though. I mean, like, this is Game of Thrones. This is a show where people die. Just last week, a guy crouched over a 13-year-old kid who had, was shot in the leg with an arrow and was asking to be helped. And he slowly stuck a knife through his throat and then pulled it out slowly. And then, like, 12 guys laughed about it. I mean... Okay, but I'm going to call that character development, though, because we learn about no, the kind of men... No, Jailer was not an important these... character, though. That was not character development. That was that was showing, that was painting the scene. That was saying, all right, hey, this is how ruthless these people are. The shit is about to get crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But did this scene, did the scene last night with Joffrey and Roz and Daisy really like add to his character? Absolutely. A especially, did it, but did it have to go on for as long as it did with the, the what was the banister? I mean, what did, <laughs> well, what did he do? To be honest with you, I didn't think that... that she was going to hit her with it. I thought she yeah. would do something else with it. <laughs> no, I watched it and I thought that she was uh, asking her to beat the other one to death with it and that they were like, okay, you have to kill her or I'll kill both of you. And like, I thought that that was going to be a, a show of, you know, making someone else get crazy and someone else get primal because they were scared of their own death, which is a torture tactic as well. But mm -hmm. I mean, I, 
I I don't think it was that terrible, and it wasn't the scene wasn't for character development necessarily. It wasn't developing Joffrey's character necessarily. It was showing that Joffrey also wanted to play the game, and he didn't. He wasn't just going to sit idly. I mean, because Tyrion did cross the line. Joffrey is the king. Tyrion did walk in there, and he did say some shit that he shouldn't have said to the king. And he walked out with the subject the king was messing with in front of the entire royal court and a whole bunch of guards. Not cool. Joffrey didn't do anything because Joffrey's scared of Tywin, obviously. So they had to show Joffrey's only retaliation to Tyrion, which is, hey, I'm going to mess these whores up that you picked out, and that's going to be my message to you. Like, I'm not going to go crazy and say shit in the middle of the court, but I am going to I am gonna do shit in the back just to show you that I'm pissed. But that, I mean... I, that- I guess part of what made me uncomfortable, too, was that we see Tyrion later on in the episode, but we don't see his reaction. Um, and earlier on, you know, I mean, Joffrey said, we're going to drag her corpse to my uncle. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, he's going to see this. But even though we saw him later, we didn't see his reaction. But why would, why um, would that even bother Tyrion? I mean, it, a whore's a whore. And, and I mean, that's it. Well, Roz and Daisy, <laughs> Roz and, you know, one of them was Roz and one of them was Daisy. And one of them probably didn't make it out of that room alive. But I mean, Terrence is right though. I mean, the, the these royals... I mean, let's look at let's look at um, Renly and Stannis. They had a small bickering argument with their sitting there with their sigils, right? Just they were bickering like mm-hmm. brothers, and they were saying, "Okay, well, if you don't agree with me, we will battle." Knowing good and well, neither of them are going to have to kill anyone, but there will be forty thousand people die tomorrow because of them bickering. It's it's just a small thing to them. Death to the royals is yeah. a small thing. But I think okay. Tyrion is also. I mean, he's protecting Sansa because I think in some ways he actually feels bad for her. He absolutely hates uh, Joffrey. I mean, he loathes his nephew. There's no question about it. And I think that, like Zach was saying, you see this disdain that Joffrey has for Tyrion as well. And the only way that he knows that he can get back at him is by, you know, he makes sure he asks the question, you know, my uncle sent you, because he knows that whatever he does to these two women is in a way him trying to act out against his uncle. And I mean, Zach was right. He completely embarrassed him in front of the whole court. I mean, he, he took his, the one member of the King's guard and absolutely imp slapped him back and forth across the <laughs> face, you know, telling him, do you see what the, uh, the true meaning of a threat is? Or, or, you know, I forget the exact words, but yeah, it was, it, it was just, yeah. And Braun is just a, a badass. I mean, and he was the one who suggested the horrors for Joffrey in the first place, <laughs> saying that he was stuffed from neck to navel or something like that. <laughs> it might be nice to let get a little bit of that evil out. <laughs> Next big scene, Baelish goes to the Renly camp um, and speaks with both Renly and Margaery, uh when he's there. Uh, I don't know. It was interesting to see um, Baelish out, outdoors because usually he's in some, you know, passageway in, in, a, in a castle. Uh, so it's good to see him getting some traveling on. I can't see Baelish without seeing you because of our album art. I, I can't. <laughs> you know what? I, I hadn't seen it until this episode either, and I was just watching it, and I was like, yeah, he kind of looks He's like He's walking around, and I'm like, oh, shit, Eric's up to something. Well, <laughs> Eric, Eric, had, Eric had this kind of little uh, Baelish stash and, and little Baelish beard going on. Little baby Baelish beard I did. going on. Yeah, yeah and, and he, finally, he finally plucked that off the other day. So Baelish walks in. Renly's like, hey, dude. 
So you're a dick, and I don't like you, but you came all this way, so you probably have some shit that I probably want to hear about, so you can say it, and then please get out of the tent, because I don't like you, and I'm looking forward to the Night of Flowers visiting my tent this evening. I guess Bellish is his type dude. of guy. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, I guess I guess not. Must be that uh, the facial hair. It's interesting because uh, they have that exchange where I'm guessing that he asked permission to speak to Catalan because he tells Renly that you know you can either attack King's Landing with the doors barred or the gates open. That was swag. That was a really cool moment. That's the perfect thing to say to someone who's about to sack a city. Like, hey, listen, man. Do you want opposition, or do you just want to come right in? I, I didn't see that one coming. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was good. That was uh, that was a top moment. It bothers me. It bothers me so much that, that he can't I'm be bothered. trusted. I mean, it's it's really easy to hate Baelish, and I do, and I totally dislike him as a character and as a person within the show, but it's just you can't deny that he's just doing some good shit. What about when Baelish finally does get to talk to Catalan? What did you guys think of this? Because this is actually super important, because he's asking her to kind of make a decision over Rob, uh, over her son. I was so pissed he, off. Yeah, Baelish you makes me... Pi- like, uh, what, why were you angry? That he that he had the, the nerve to ask it, or what? No, I was pissed off because, I mean, Baelish, she doesn't know this for sure. She can ascertain. Sure as hell she can ascertain. But Baelish was the reason. I mean, Ned made some dumb decisions, but Baelish was the guy who turned the city watch against Ned when he, they were supposed to be on his side. It was... It was him who made the call. He was the one that that fucked Ned. So I mean, he's walk he's walking into Ned's wife's tent. And he's like, "Hey, girl, what up?" And she's like, "Get out of here! I've got this dagger, bro." But she pulled a knife on him, you know, like you just said. And I thought that was awesome. But it was only after he brought up her love for her daughters that she was able to drop that knife. But I mean. That line that he said right before she attacked him, I have always loved you. Like, I've loved you since I was a little boy. Like, I did not expect that from Baelish. Obviously, it's true. We've seen that in the first season, you know. But he was just very candid with her, and she was very candid with him (laughs) with a blade. Right. So, Uh, I don't know. That was just a very testy relationship. It just makes me sick that Baelish says that both daughters are healthy, and they're alive, and they're this and that, and... He's giving hope oh my to God. an old – not an old woman, but to the mother who hasn't heard any word about her. I mean the fact is it's a lie because we know Arya is, is not in kind – like nobody – Do you, are, we, I mean, are we really meant to believe that somebody who Baelish knows knows that Arya is alive and well? I mean and are we I mean, really that, meant to believe that two Stark children in the hands of Lannisters are healthy? <laughs> Come on. Well, he wasn't other, saying anything to thing. make her feel better. He was just looking for a bargaining piece. That's That's it. Okay, but then he's just trying to stir some shit up. That's what he does. He, I mean, take the attention off yourself, and then rise to the top when the stuff's done. He's trying so, to play the Game of Thrones. I mean, right. You look at what he's able to do. You know, he's leveraging a mother's love for her daughters, so that he can go back to Tyrion and possibly have Jamie in his back pocket on his way back to King's Landing. And, right. You know, if he's able to secure that, I mean, that makes him. Uh, it puts him in pretty good position, um, you know, both with Catelyn in some respects, even though she's probably never going to forgive him for what he did to Ned, but also with the Lannisters, and it protects him at King's Landing, um, you know, because of what he's been able to do. To answer your question, Eric, um, he doesn't know that Arya is at Harrenhal. That's, they're okay. searching and looking and blah, blah, blah. 
and we got to see some really, really awesome shots of Aaron Hall, which, I mean, it's, well, you were, you were saying earlier, Micah, you were talking about the CG. Um, yeah. that's what it is. I'll link a video in the show notes, but Blue Bolt, who does the effects work, and I'm not sure if they still do for season two, but, um, for the series has a really great before and after video of how the shots were shot and then after the effects were applied. And so you get to see some really cool, like in the eerie, right? Right, right. Well, everywhere, the wall, the, the elevator at the wall, every, basically every single shot, because I mean, a lot of these sets were constructed, but nowhere near the grandeur that we see on the screen. A lot of the really basic things were, but you're going to see a whole lot of green screen stuff. Like I said, I'll link the video, um, in the show notes this week. It's a, it's a really, really neat look into the filmmaking aspect. But I mean, they obviously did that at Heron Hall because there isn't a dragon fire ridden, haunted keep anywhere that i know of but uh we got to see a lot of those updates um during the earlier times of game of owns if you remember micah seeing uh because cat taylor was tweeting about and they were talking about the really eerie ghostly shit that they were filming um for the shots at heron hall and i was it was pretty exciting and it was nice to see it finished and done it was creepy for sure uh guys so Hey, look, I, I have to <laughs> hate to leave you guys before uh, I get to talk about my favorite part of the episode, Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister rolling into Arenal. But um, as it happens, I am actually due for some uh, to receive some people for a nice, friendly game of laser tag. We're bringing the Swede back on. Just take it away, guys. I'm gonna head out to my own birthday party. I'm running late. Well, thank you, Eric, for your uh, blast from the past. Or actually, guys, is that technically is he from the future? Since he's in the episode that's two days later, even though he recorded it in the past. <laughs> what <laughs> is this? More of your space time travel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, you guys might not know, but the listeners know right now. They do know. Well, I'm very happy to announce that this time travel has allowed us to <laughs> have the Swede join us this week. Exchanging How Eric from me. Sweden is great. Yeah, there's this thing that me and Eric can't be on a podcast at the same time, or you know, iTunes will implode. <laughs> So it's too bad. But um, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't think that we'd be able to have you, but here you are. Yeah, again, in the middle of the night, you know, really committed to to this podcast, Game of Thrones. It's great. Um, And uh, happy birthday to Eric. Make sure he's to say it, even though he's gone. Yes, definitely. Um, He's playing laser tag right now. What'd you get him for his birthday, Selena? Well, I thought I'd take a page out of Tyrion's book and, you know, go with the (laughs) the gift of Joffrey, but I thought... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So... I think that joke might be my own of the week, actually. Really? (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Oh, my God. Nice work. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the episode, sort of the the first time you see Harrenhal. And what was your reaction to this? This really sort of creepy place that... It looked great. It looked amazing. I mean, I personally couldn't really tell that the stone was supposed to be melted. But then you don't really know what melted stone looks like, do you? Because stone doesn't melt. So, Wait, you don't know? <laughs> you know, well imagined by them. And you can you can see why someone like Baelish... You loved how the, morbid... The it- owner of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you think Baelish would actually have the place destroyed and then build a new place in that stead? Let's say that Tyrion's like trick was real or do you think he would just live in Heron Hall? I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him to just live there with like a few of his women. Oh, you know Baelish, he'd probably 
he would probably have like a couple of throw pillows, put some whores in there. <laughs> and yeah, become the candles inside <laughs> of the pillows. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Guys, a haunted brothel. We just Heron thought of the best new business. <laughs> Heron whores. Heron whores. <laughs> <laughs> Semicolon, the haunted brothel. It's like Heron an adventure whores. and a mystery like adventure oh. while you get to sleep with the person that you are paying for. <laughs> There you go. We should start that. Do you think that would go over well here? A haunted whorehouse. This is perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, oh, let's God. go to Australia and let's open this place up. <laughs> okay. Australia. That's it's where legal. Go. Come on. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Is it legal in Sweden too? Is it legal in Sweden? I have no idea. I haven't looked into it. I feel like I, maybe I should have. Okay. <laughs> you need to do that. I'm afraid that back. some of our newer listeners might actually think that you're from Sweden. You know, it's really bad. Some people have... On Twitter, and like I don't know what to tell them because, you know, I, the funny thing is I don't, I still don't really get the joke. Like the only thing I can think of is that you guys don't think that Denmark is like foreign enough. Do you guys remember? I mean, I talked about it in the first episode, but it was like the second I met you in the Skype chat, and I was just like, she's got to be from Sweden. Listen to her. I, I knew, I knew you're from somewhere else. That sounds great. Right. Somewhere, not. somewhere exotic, and you know, right. foreign. Uh, and, yeah. And, and the fact that you take it, you know, instead of you know, cross episodes. Now you're starting to take it cross podcast. That's that really confuses. <laughs> I know. I didn't right. say to that. Cross podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, my Swedenness is spreading. But you know, I'm I'm proud to represent Sweden. <laughs> I hope they're proud of me. Oh God. But uh, Selena, as somebody who's read the books, how awesome was that scene where Arya starts to mention the names of the people that she wants to kill? Because it yes. does sort of transverse the entire series really you know up until where we are right now with book five yeah i mean that was a real beginning you know because you we all knew we knew it was coming it was just a question of when and then you hear um whoever it was saying whoever mentioned the names i don't i I don't remember now but someone said it to her and i was like yes it's coming and then she said the names and it was great it was really good it was actually it was yorin from the night before or from the episode before yeah yeah what was everyone's take on the uh, – I know this happened a little later in the episode, but I think we can touch on it because we're at Harren Hall. Is, is the torture tactics that we saw uh, from the the, guard, the Lannister guards that were there. Oh, it's so medieval. <laughs> <laughs> well, surprising. <laughs> I was waiting for a thumbscrew circa Goosebumps, Tower of Terror. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, Wait. you do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, you Goosebumps. do. It's bringing it back. <laughs> no, the rat in the uh, the bucket is uh, was a perfect form of torture. And but can you guys explain to this go. to me? Being men, what exactly does that torture entail? What do you mean? Like, is it well, bad? the rat has like, to get what out. Is, what is the torture? Like, what, what is the point of the torture? Oh, well, the rat, will, the rat will chew and claw and eventually eat into your heart and kill you because that's the only way to, for it to get out. Oh. So I could I see it being worse it for women. I thought trousers. With trousers, no. <laughs> Oh, It'll take longer for women. Oh, God. Uh, it makes sense, though, because, like, you're heating it up, and the rat's like, well, shit, I gotta get out of here. Have you guys ever thought about just how easy it is? Like, flesh is simple. Like, you guys eat cooked steak all the time, and that's a lot tougher than your raw flesh. And so that rat's just getting through there. It's just gonna kill you. Yeah. That wow. Yeah, that is terrible. Tickler? Is that who that was? I think it was supposed to be the tickler, but they never named him. And they only named the mountain, didn't they? Well, I thought the tickler worked with uh, Renly Baratheon. Is that what you said? 
Micah? Last <laughs> no, that <week>? was a joke. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, he's I'm, a secret spy. I, in I might the have known Lannister that. camp for Red. Yes, <laughs> a whole secret plot going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. You know, later on in the episode, we see Tywin Lannister finally, for the first time this entire season, uh, show up, and you know he just has that smugness about him, where he says, "What are you doing? All these are able bodies we could be using, and you're torturing them." Uh, and uh, he comes in for the big save on Gendry, uh, and then later Arya, and this just sets up, I think, a great uh, relationship that's going to occur when he names her his cupbearer, which is different from the books, right, Selena? It is, and you know, that's one of the things that I sort of have been have been thinking about a little bit, because, you know, reading the interviews with the, the people who are writing the show and and everything they they're bringing in Rob which I think is great you know they're choosing to make um Arya the cupbearer of uh Tywin which is also great because it gets Charles Dance a chance to play a little bit more and we like Charles Dance but I I'm, I don't know I almost worry some of these changes that they're making they're making for the sake of bringing in these great actors and they're changing the story because of it you know what I mean we were emailing about it, actually, a few days yeah. ago, Selena. And, and I'm just going to echo what I was saying in the email, but I feel like what they're doing is... Arya, what was the name of the guy, Micah, that she was the actual cupbearer for? It was Weiss, but I don't know if she was a cupbearer or just kind of a servant. Right. Well, let's just say that that story... I don't, I don't want to spoil anything if you guys are reading the books, but that ended a lot different than it could end if she was the cupbearer for Tywin. So not only is that sort of story not being written into the show but it, they're changing it and i feel like I, I probably agree with you selena i think that they're doing it for charles dance is they're doing it for charles dance's sake for one but i also think that they're just doing it because as far as drama goes within the show i think that her working within the belly of the beast is much smarter you know it's a much smarter thing to do as far as a weekly show mm-hmm. goes i think so right and, and i mean i do enjoy it because it means i don't know what's coming up it just also makes me a little nervous because <laughs> I like knowing what's coming up. <laughs> right. For sake of our listeners, what is a cupbearer? What's their responsibility? What I mean, it's is it obviously is it kind of like a servant? Is it higher like than that? Page, is it right? someone being groomed um, for a specific position? What's what's going on? What is a cupbearer? Or the they, wine? Uh, they wait on them on, at meals. Yeah. So it's kind of like Lancel just... was for Robert right in okay. the first season. Did um you guys who who haven't read this far in the series um did you did you get the impression when Tywin Lannister came in you were like oh crap here's Tywin or did you think that he was actually there to save him because I thought the way he was acting I was like oh yay he he seems nice <laughs> I thought it was awesome <laughs> because I mean we I I personally I don't dislike Tywin Lannister I think that last season we got to see a little bit of him and we got to see how they're trying to portray him in the uh, in the show and that he's a He's a he's just an overly smart guy. He's technically, in a way, more powerful than the king. He's like he's the guy who's, in my opinion, playing. Maybe he's playing the Game of Thrones better than everyone, except he did, and he's sort of in his twilight hour and he's fading off slightly. But when he walked in, I I didn't feel like he was a bad guy. I didn't feel like he was a good guy. I just felt that he was a thousand times more intelligent than everybody in the room. And he just walks in and looks around and he looks at the jailers and he's like, all right, you assholes have been trying to play God and play around with power. You've been torturing people. Not only are you guys so stupid, but you're killing people that could be working in the fields and helping make this place less creepy and shitty. Also, that's a girl. 
you're stupid. That's a girl. She can come help me because she's probably not safe around you retards. Go take a shower. Is what he was trying to say. Is is anyone else right. like a little annoyed that everybody keeps figuring out that she's a girl so easily? It's kind of like, what's the point of the disguise? Because everybody knows. Yeah, because in the books, whenever, well, whenever she's traveling too, I mean, she fools everybody for quite a long time. No, you're Maybe right. Maybe it's just because Maisie Williams just doesn't look like a boy. Mm. And they, I don't know. <laughs> they Dream. don't want to insult her. <laughs> the girl that looks like a girl. Very surprising. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think of her? I mean, she's had some awesome scenes so far this year, whether you're talking about with Gendry uh, or Yorin. And what's looking like in the preview of uh, the Ghost of Harrenhal, she has a a good scene with Tywin Lannister. So maybe some nominations coming her way. I know she's kind of young, but still, that'd be sick. She's the, like one of the best ones. Yeah, maybe nominations, yes. But as far as a win, she might have a you know a couple of seasons to go before that actually happens you know i was talking about it last episode and i still i'm still very much behind it but i think that her dialogue with yoren when they were talking about the going to before you go to sleep talk about the person you want to kill like i thought that was just incredible acting on both their parts and she's so young it was so impressive Mm -hmm. one of the other uh standout scenes of this particular episode was when renly and stannis meet on that hilltop and they really go at it like a bunch of bickering sisters, to be honest. Not not really brothers. And Catelyn calls them out on it. I loved it. I, I liked it a lot because I really like Catelyn. So I was like, yes, you tell them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the part that I enjoyed the most was Catelyn kind of putting them in their place. You know, if you were both of my sons, I'd lock you in the tower, knock your heads together until you guys came to your senses. You know, something like that. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed that because she's trying to – play this kind of she's still a mother Catelyn's still a mother um and to see these two brothers go at it it, it, it kind of irks her and, and tell you the truth it really irks me i mean they are brothers they're supposed to be you know uniting and coming together instead of having this some sort of division within their family you know they could be mm-hmm. they could they could unite and become the most powerful force in in westeros well renly already has that on his you know, on his own, but still. It says a lot about how flippant they are, and I mentioned this before, but it says a lot about themselves and about the time that they live in that they can be brothers. And really, they do love each other because at the end of the day, they are brothers and they would, you know, fight for each other if something bad was happening or if the other was on his deathbed, he would be there. They're just pissed at each other because one wants to be the king and the other one wants to be the king. So this small little argument is it's going to be not fought by them personally, but by all of the men that are going to fight for them. So technically like their, their fight is really about as long as the words and the physical fight. Someone else will do it for them. And it's just, mm-hmm. but I also think like it, as far as Stannis is concerned, like I think Stannis just, he just has this coldness to him. Like Renly seems much more friendly and much more accepting. And, you know, he said the whole thing of, you know, I loved him once and he has that, that sadness about their relationship. But, Stannis just, I don't think he cares. You know, yeah, he's no, just like, right. my, the throne is mine and Renly is taking it and that sucks and I'm going to stop him. Well, the throne it, is you know? his by right. I mean, he, there there is some truth to that and regardless of how nice he is, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at Joffrey, who's the supposed heir and how he treats people. It's not about who is the nicest person or the most deserving person. We're talking about bloodline here and Stannis yeah, is the Yeah, but then again, bloodline... I mean, <laughs> he did, you know, he was the usurper king, so. Yeah, no, that's true. He doesn't, 
that that bloodline claim never struck me as being particularly strong. So, so I guess what we're sitting here is like the same thing as when you know the usurp when he usurped when Robert Baratheon usurped. It's a king is there. We don't want that king to be there. So basically, Renly is saying, okay, well, if it's up for grabs, I know I'm not technically in line, but I'll take it just like Robert took it. Is okay. It makes a lot more sense now, actually. Mm. But Renly also is given the option to be Stannis's heir if Stannis doesn't have a son. So. There is a good chance in war that Stannis could die at some point and Renly could take the throne. You don't feel like he said that to be kind of a dick, though? When he Remember in the episode, the way he said it, he was like, hey, you can be my heir if I don't have a kid. You don't feel like he's being an asshole? No, not really. I mean, I think it's I a do, very that's generous offer. I don't like offer. him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very generous offer. Um you know, it's it's he could just say, you know, screw you. I'm going to kill you and take your, you know, your lands and have all your maidens and all that other shit. But <laughs> he, he could. I mean, he he's offering. He's extending the Armageddon. Well, Renly, Renly would generosity. give the maidens. Yeah, Renly. <laughs> he would take the that. maidens. <laughs> I don't. I don't think neither of them are really concerned with maidens. Honestly. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just a general point is what I'm trying to make here. But it's actually right. funny. I, considering I mean, it's a very generous brothers. offer. I would take it, shit. And then I would, I would make sure that Stannis dies, and then... No, you would he, not. I sure would. I don't like Stannis. Yeah, but if he was your bro, come on. Uh, I can't say that because I don't have any, you know, I don't have any siblings, but right. if Stannis was my brother, you know, I would, I don't know. What would you do, guys? <laughs> Micah? What would you do if it was your brother and you were Renly? It's tough because, I mean, wouldn't you on some level want to join your forces to his and, and sort of be this important imposable force I would 100% I think that's I would wouldn't be able to you know stop I mean look at how divided the Lannister clan is right now the only thing that's really protecting them is the walls of King's Landing and not too many men behind it. Well, I don't. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm a woman, so I wouldn't get it anyway. <laughs> no. Um. I. I, I don't she know. She wants I, all the maidens. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I'll Especially Brienne. She take Brienne oh, all for herself. You would take Brienne. God. Um. No. I would join forces with Rob Stark. Oh yeah, definitely. Jenna. There you go. I'd be like, look, oh. I'll join you, Stannis. You can have Selena here. No, she's great. You can. Hey. <laughs> oh, you got to join up with Rob. Me with, out. It's Rob Stark. He's got that badass wolf. It's like, man, I don't want to fight that exactly. dude. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to bring up something really random, but um, I just looked up Macy Williams. Did you know she just turned sixteen? Wow. So she's. I not thought she was young younger than that. Yeah. So she could yeah. win some awards. Sorry, just randomly. No, no, I, ho- I hope she does. That's awesome. Kind of, uh, we'll come back and talk about Stannis a little bit later on, but uh, we did get a chance to finally go to Karth in this episode and get a little bit more time with Daenerys. And uh, there's this great scene where she arrives and the 13 greet her, and we get introduced to a new character. I will try not to butcher the name. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Get your emails ready, guys. Looks like a character off of Tekken, but go on. Zaro Zohan Doxos. Does that sound close? Sure. It sounds about right. I think it's Soan or Soan. I thought it was Duck Sauce. Duck Sauce. (laughs) Sauce. Is that going to be his nickname from now on the show? Duck Sauce. Duck Sauce. We're just down for that. Duck Sauce. I'm down for that. (laughs) <laughs> but that now there he was kind of hot. What I have to say, the- he was. It was like his his whole thing of him coming in and being like, "Ooh, I will save you," and having like an Alan Rickman he wants kind Daenerys. of accent. Um, 
No, I was like, wow, that dragon. was nice. Uh, yeah, I don't, he does. I guess he was. Hell. I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I, mean, I, didn't I wasn't like, oh my god, wow. But I was yeah, just okay. like, after all of these people, I was like, oh, he, he seems nice. <laughs> I'd go with him. <laughs> that, well, that scene was. That scene was good. I, 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 I always kind of sigh lately when Daenerys comes on the screen. I don't know. I just. I'm oh, glad no, that they're why? finally out of the desert. It's five episodes in, or four episodes in, right? And it's just like, I don't know. I'm glad she's out of the desert. But when I saw Quarth. I was like, oh, shit. You got to go hang out there. Looks like a pretty sweet city. From the outside of it, it looks like, you know, like Troy or something like that with the tall walls and in the middle of the desert. And then you open it up, it looks like the Great Valley from Land Before Time. I mean, God. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was the the best reference. You you got this, like, freaking oasis in the middle of this desert. It's, it's, I mean, it looks like the oasis of Amsher in there. I was watching it with some friends, and when that when the opening when like the opening shot of the city came on, I leaned over and I was like, "And this is where they filmed Troy." I'm like, "Where's Brad Pitt? Where's <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt here?" It's uh, it's uh, what's his face again? Um, Sean Bean is there. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> he was in that movie, right? No, he was not in that movie. Wait, is he not in Troy? No. Yes, he was. No, he was. No, it was Brad Pitt. It was Brad Pitt. Yeah. Is Brad Pitt, Orlando I'm Bloom. looking it up right now. And I can hear you Googling it, but I'm telling you, you're going to be sorely he was. He was. He was. You're probably He was in right. Troy. He was in Troy. No, he wasn't. What, he was. What did, what did he play? <laughs> IMDb. He played... Oh, wait. I'm getting to it. Troy, Troy. He's been in a lot of crap. Jesus. Um, yeah, he has. He's the mean Troy, being. Troy. Troy. Oh, was. Odysseus. Odysseus. There you oh, go. Oh, Odysseus. Out, out <laughs> beat you. <laughs> well... <laughs> this well, is why you need me on the show. I minor it. character. I got. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, minor character. Well, I feel bad. He well, was not. Well, speaking of, I, I <laughs> sorry, Micah, please transition us. I feel like speaking a of now. minor characters, uh, we got to see uh, Lancel Lannister again in a scene with Tyrion, and uh, it was just interesting to see again how Tyrion is is putting things into motion. He's taking control. He's Making sure that his sister has absolutely, she, she, he's isolating her in a way, I think. And, you know, he uses the whole relationship between Lancel and Cersei against her now. And he's going to have a spy on the inside. And Tyrion is playing the master game of thrones right oh now. Oh my god, isn't he? He, he's, he's so smart. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just nuts. <laughs> it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's so overwhelming. Selena, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. That was uh, it. Was good. Okay. Yeah. No, I thought that was great. Um, I think that it's a really smart thing to do. Obviously, I think it was really funny calling him out because obviously, Cersei, or obviously, she likes to sleep with people in the family, which. <laughs> Tyrion feeling left out. That's right. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. He's he's good. He's got some other people. He's got a, now a kitchen wench, so he's good. But no, I, I thought it was a really great tactic to flip on him. And I was really kind of – I thought that the scene could have been set up with a little bit more of a physical blockade between the two. And I say that because if I was him, Lancel, and, and I was getting threatened like that from Tyrion, like a threat – that could possibly lead me to dying or being killed by the king, I would just kill Tyrion. It's not like he couldn't attack Tyrion and take care of him. Did you guys think of that? Like, I know that, well, Terrence, you haven't read it, so I guess this is geared toward you, but did you think that Lancel was going to retaliate rather than just bow down? 
No, I mean, just the way that he looks, and this is another credit to the casting. I mean, the dude looks... (laughs) He doesn't... Are you saying he, he looks like the kind of person that wouldn't carry a toy gun in his car? He look no, he looks like the kind of person that just bend over and take it. You know, he he doesn't. <laughs> He's not the hound. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and sure, Tyrion is in a in a spot right now where you know I would be a little bit concerned because what the past couple of hands of the kings have ended up, you know, their heads on spikes or you know they're they're dead now is the point, but. I just don't. I, I don't think Lance. Oh, come on! What, well, what can he's he a, he's a Lannister too. So I thought. I don't know. He's a Lannister uh, too. I thought he was. Kill, a, he helped kill Robert Baratheon. Right. I know that it's not a, like a a popular like. I don't. Know, I haven't heard anybody else say this, but personally for me, when I was watching that scene, I thought that it was going to end with Lancel just being like, "All right, well, you're dumb. I'm going to throw you off a balcony." Well, yeah, but he die hard, anyway. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like he could possibly make a story. And pretend that he didn't, you know, that he didn't do it. But if Tyrion rats, he's screwed anyway. I thought it was going to get crazier than that, personally. But I just like how they're building up Tyrion's character. When you look at last episode with how he played the game with Pycelle and Varys and Littlefinger, and now he's going after somebody else who he finds out is close to Cersei. So it's just interesting to see how he's developing and... You kind of wonder how is this all going to play out? Like, what's his and, master plan? Yeah, and you know, it, it's an interesting thing about the pacing of this season because I feel like in the first season, obviously things kept happening really fast. This season, I mean, we're almost halfway into the season, and it's like every episode is slowly setting up all these things, and you just have to imagine that around episode seven, you know. I mean, shit's just going to go down in all of these storylines at the same time, and it's going to be completely manic. And right now, I mean, we've got amazing episodes, but mm-hmm. it's all just setups, all of it. Well, it, there aren't really any payoffs yet, you know. It, it's as I was saying last week, guys. That, and I've been saying it, you know, all season is that the pacing is slowly picking up, like it is in season one. We can use season one as a kind of a blueprint for the pacing on how they control the pacing of the series and now it's it's starting to get up there we're starting to get up in episodes we're mid-season now we can you know safely say that um and it's just starting like you said selena it's just building up building up and then all hell is set to break loose like it did last last season and i think that's you know that's one of the things that keeps us intrigued about the series it's like oh shit what's going to happen next week what's going to happen next week they do a mm-hmm. very very great job with that it's almost like they're making a television show right terrence <laughs> you know what almost almost wow <laughs> but uh but speaking of that terrence i mean that's exactly how this episode ended and you know it mm-hmm. started out with stannis and davos you know on a boat talking to each other davos brings up how uh, or actually it's Stannis who mentions to Davos about how he still carries his hand around that Stannis cut off in like this little pouch. And uh, I thought, you know, it's from the books. It's a nice touch that they, they were able to kind of slip that in there. Uh, but then we s- sort of see uh, uh, Davos and Melisandre head off on this rowboat to- towards Storm's End. And what happens next, I mean, I read it in the books, but <laughs> to see it happen on the screen, uh, oh yeah. my God. wow. My God, it was, yeah, it, it was, was crazy. I didn't need. <laughs> I knew that, like, when they were in the boat, some shit was about to happen, because she was like, hey, 
you want me, don't you? Like they were in, like she was just getting her flirt on. I was thinking, damn, like all right. I, I honestly thought that he was gonna get some. That's the I mean because obviously I haven't I haven't read this far, but I thought, wow, Davos is gonna get some. All right, and then you know I was thinking all these thoughts were going through my mind. I'm like, wow, what if he gets her pregnant and you know she has a boy, but that's not really the heir. And you know, while I was thinking all of that, she's sitting there giving birth to you know the smoke monster from Lost. Oh God, and- yes, what it was. <laughs> Thought I heard Did you see the David Lindelof tweet about that? That was so funny. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, we need to link that tweet in the show notes. I haven't seen it yet. And what is it called in the books? It's a shadow assassin. Is that right? <laughs> what did I? What did I? T- I texted this to you guys. I don't know if I emailed it or if I group texted it because we have a group text going that Selena's not a part of because she yeah, lives no, oceans so away. She lives in Sweden, right? Excluded. But. Yes. I called, I said, it was the shadow vag. <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's what we were forced to see. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a very intimate moment, I would say, with us and Melisandre. She got, I wonder, yeah. when that actress first you know, was interested Howden, in the role, yeah. yeah, did they say to her, by the way, you're going to have to strip naked in a cave and give birth to a shadow Absolutely creature. they did. But think about this. <laughs> think about this, Micah. That's a selling point. I her paycheck. Her paycheck. It's pretty nice considering, you know, the amount of physical labor that goes into it. You're talking like eight hour days of just like playing Donkey Kong Country and like going to the gym. Like, so would you do it? Would you get pregnant for a day? I would. Didn't they make a movie like that with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Junior Danny DeVito? <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Did you just really bring up Junior and Game of Thrones? <laughs> well, folks, <laughs> this is the premiere Game of Thrones podcast on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, this is not a tumor. <laughs> this is not no, a tumor. That, that's kindergarten cop. Oh, shit. Well. You're screwing up bad Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, well, let's link up They're a video of Hercules in New York when he attacks a bear in the show notes to make up for I never it. saw that. Well, you need to watch it because it's excellent. <laughs> it's really good. I was, uh, no, to get, to get back to Melisandre, though, I was, um, I was freaked out. Not, like, literally, but as in, oh, shit. Because I know, and I don't want to say it, because uh, I don't want to spoil it for Terrence, and I don't want to spoil it for the listeners that are are just watching the show, but I know what this means, and I was wondering whether or not they were going to show it in this episode, but as it drew toward the yeah. end, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to end the cliffhanger, and do you think we'll start next episode with the falling action from, from mean, this birth, or what? Oh, God, I hope so. I mean, so. There's, a big, there's a big falling out from that. So I suppose they could do it, but I I don't know. I I figured that would be a, a an, an episode ender. So I was very surprised that they ended it with that. Although I guess it is a pretty striking image to to leave us right. with. Right. Well, I think they're going to um, really try to build up to to what happens because of it. I just hope they're not going to build up for a whole episode before we see that. You know what I mean? Like they that would be not. too much. Yeah. Uh, this is it's dangerous to have these discussions. Well, <laughs> as as, a, as somebody that you know uh, again hasn't read this far, I would think it would be the smart thing to do is if they were to just let that simmer for an entire week and really not mention Melisandre or Davos or the Shadow Demon or anything I like guess, that. Yeah, and, and and just to let that carry, let that momentum carry through the next episode. And then start episode, I would say, episode six, maybe with explaining a little bit about it. Well, I guess I guess they could just not show that part of the story until the very end of the episode and, and have it go that way. But I just I hope we're not going to have the shadow just sort of hanging out 
<laughs> like waiting, to, you know. Right, right, exactly. But waiting to become what it is. That's what I'm afraid of, too. Well, but, what I'm mm-hmm. referring to real quick is just they're at Storm's End. And the whole reason they're going there is because, and I don't know if it's stated in the show, but uh, Sir Courtney Penrose refuses to let them in or to let them pass. I'm sorry. Um, so that's what I was this? thinking of. I Googled it. But okay. <laughs> no, no. But there is that scene though in the book. I remembered the scene. I just didn't remember the name of the of the person uh, who was not yielding essentially and and letting them pass. Uh, so there's there's that scene with the shadow creature, but there's also another one, which is I think the one that you were referring to. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that that kind of wraps up the overall episode discussion. There was a couple of new characters we really didn't touch on uh, in the discussion. One was kind of there in passing, and that was Roose Bolton, who was with Rob Stark when he was walking through the, the battlefield. Um, and then, real briefly, I mean, this woman that shows up to uh, kind of go at it with Rob Stark, who is she supposed to be? I mean, we get a name for her. So she is a new character, but is she supposed to be some form of, of Jane Westerling? Well, yeah, and that this is another thing I'm going to get into my, my, my book <laughs> book thing at the moment, um, or book, well, whatever, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> uh, like, because this is another character, there is no need to change her. Like, I do not understand, obviously this is like, who are played by Una Chaplin, um, Charlie Chaplin's mm-hmm. granddaughter. There's oh, a, a bit of info for you. Um, but it's just like, why Why are they making her this like battlefield nurse woman? Like, why not just make her Jane Westerling, which is the noble lady who Rob Stark holds hostage and falls in love with? Like, why do they have to change it? I don't understand. doesn't really yeah. matter. She's a, she's a total babe. I think that that's why they put her in. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, if it doesn't right. matter, why change it? You know what I mean? It's the like, sexiest just amputation like that. I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, that, I, I cringed at that. I really yeah. cringed. No shit. <laughs> I thought they were going to show it, to be honest with you. I know. I was surprised they didn't show it. And Ned's head as well. It mm. reminded me of Master and Commander when he was taking the dude's the kid's arm off. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> All the sinew is delicious. All right. We talked about duck sauce a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, mentioned, mentioned the tickler. All right. Um, also, Polliver, who's in, uh, he's kind of the, the he's the guy who goes and selects right the uh, the individuals that are going to be tortured. And that was creepy. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And, and what was the whole thing behind that? Like, oh, don't look at him. And then, like, oh, I've looked at him for the past you know a couple of days, and I haven't gotten selected or something like that. And the person that he ends up selecting, well, he was looking straight up at him. I think yeah. it was just to represent their random enmity, like of mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, you know, you this guy is totally heartless, and he hasn't been choosing this guy, but he saw that this other guy gave a tip to the fat kid, and he was like, well, you're giving a tip. Well, I guess I'll just kill you. So you're- and also, there's, there's, there's no escape. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Hot pie, yeah. Pot pie. Uh, hot pie, pot pie. Perfect. Same thing. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, if there's any characters that uh, we didn't discuss on this episode that we missed that were new, you know, feel free to let us know. Tweet at us. But uh, we got a nice preview at the end of this episode for The Ghost of Harren Hall. Uh, touched on it a little bit. We we spoke about 
the uh, Tywin Arya exchange. There's also some discussion that you see between her and uh, Jacqueline Hygar and uh, a couple of other uh, really cool scenes. So uh, next week, uh, I'm sure, is, is going to be another great episode as we're halfway through the season. God, I can't believe it's been so long. I know. Not really, right? I feel like we've been journeying down the King's Road on this podcast for so long. But Aww. as we do every week, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go around the table here and uh, say what our own of the week was. We also have to cut in Eric's own of the week that we recorded ahead of time, which oh, strategically From the placed. future. Should we, or should we, from the past. Should we just place it right here, right now? And so we just no, get let Eric go first. He's the birthday boy. Happy birthday, Eric. Here you go. Yay! My own of the week is Stannis and Renly. On the hillside, saying, you know, Renly says, the whole realm denies your reign. From dawn to the wall, old men deny it with their death rattle. Unborn children deny it in their mother's wombs. No one wants you for their king. Well, I've got a pretty, pretty, pretty tame one this week, but I just had to say it because it made me so happy. And it was the when Tyr- when Tyrion stopped um, Joffrey from beating up Sansa, and he oh, was yes. basically like, "No, you can't do it." And I'm taking Sansa away, and here's my hand, and we're gonna walk now. And I loved it. I was like, "Ha!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> It's a feel good, feel good own of the week. I think that mine would have to be the uh, the Spice King or uh, some sort of royal name, the guy who got very rich off of trading different sorts of cinnamons and spices at the gate of Karth. I thought it was great because um, Daenerys was at her wit's end. Her people were starving. Her people were thirsty. Her horses were dying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, hey, let me see your dragons. And she was just going to be stubborn. And I think that she needed to be stubborn for a reason because, I mean, it's, you're you're Khaleesi. That's your Kalisar. You're also the rightful you know, queen of Westeros, Westeros et cetera, et cetera. So someone sort of strong-arming you and be like, hey, well, let me see your dragons, girl. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, uh, I'll just walk back inside then because I'm super rich and this city's badass. <laughs> she's like, oh, but wait. So I think that that was the owner of the week when he just turned around and walked away from her. I thought that was beautiful. Um, mine would be whenever Joffrey was talking to the uh, uh, to the two whores in the room. Um <laughs> Ross and Daisy. Oh, you can't yeah, give the own to Joffrey. No, can, let him let him finish. Uh, <laughs> I I like <laughs> I like whatever he said. Leave her leave her face. I like her pretty. <laughs> oh no, you that's, that's terrible. <laughs> I know that was terrible. That was All terrible. Right. Sorry. Um, Mine was really the whole exchange between Bronn, uh, Tyrion, and Meryn Trent and. The line, careful now, we don't want to get blood all over your pretty white cloak. Oh, gosh. Um, and then the, there was this moment where, um, you know, Marin talks about how what Tyrion was saying was a threat on the king's life. And he says, that was not a threat. I was educating my nephew. Oh, Ron, so good. Next time he speaks, kill him. That was a threat. See the difference? He's just so damn good. <laughs> Winning. Yeah. Yeah. M slap to the 12th degree. You win this yeah. week, Micah. That was perfect. Kind of, yeah, definitely. Kind of, kind of the same as mine, but you you, you did the good the good quote. Tyrion just wins like the show. It's not even a game. He's just. Do you think that they're setting it. him up for just a big letdown? Because I haven't read this far, and you guys probably know, but I feel like it's too perfect without a, just a big letdown. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Obviously, yeah. Well, right. he is. He is forth. George R. R. Martin's favorite character, so I don't know if that puts you at ease or just makes you worried for Tyrion even more. <laughs> Because you know what it does is Stark is his favorite point. house. <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, not to go too far into that, but um, I was reading an interview uh, with Martin, and he said that he didn't have any problem killing off any of the characters that he has. And I think that was in response to the criticism that he got for killing off Ned Stark. So that's whenever he said, you know, look, it's my story. I don't care what you think. I'm going to kill whoever the hell I want to kill. George, if you're listening, I will pay you money. (laughs) I don't know how much you will need because you probably are a severely wealthy man. But I will pay you money to write Ned Stark to come back, even if it's in the form of a White Walker. Just come back, Ned, please. We miss Sean Bean. Ned is dead. I realize this. It'll be like the same kind of thing with, like, let's bring Firefly back, but instead let's bring yeah. Ned Stark back. Let's start a campaign. <laughs> Nothing will ever happen to it. There are some scenes where he might make a cameo. I was hoping he might make a cameo. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, oh, they saved, like, 40 grand not showing his head in that casket, though, so... I thought yeah. it, made, it made a lot of oh, sense. Oh, that's why, of course. Of course, think about it. Because I was going to say, they could show the plaster thing, couldn't no, they? But no way. No. It's still in the yeah, likeness of them. Be, Dude, the, yeah. means be, the Mean Beans agent would, agents would be all <gasps> over that. <laughs> all right, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Of course, if you want to contact us, there's a number of ways you can do that. Twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Tweet at us. Let us know what we mispronounced this week. We're more than willing to... Uh, listen and not you know correct ourselves in future episodes uh, <laughs> or uh le- leave us a nice little note you know or like us on facebook facebook.com slash game of owns or if you're you know you're really feeling saucy and you want to send us an email uh you can email us at contact at game and uh, if you haven't figured out by this point the website is game so that will do it for this week's episode I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Terrence Pinkston. And I'm Selena Wilkin from HyperGoogle.com. And here's Eric from the past. <laughs> so I don't know how exactly this will be cut in, but um, from the past, present, or future, I'm Eric Skull. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for The Ghost of Heron Hall. Ooh. Ooh. I was, was it the ghostly brothel of Heron Hall? <laughs> oh, God. Let's start oh, no, the happening. ghostly brothel of Heron Hall. Yes. Heron Hall. Heron Hall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ah, we can make so much money.